I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I can't say I'm joined as ever by Bradley Talk because Brad is currently in India. Um, hopefully his uh, LASIK eye surgery has gone uh, to plan and we will see him soon and he will see us is the most important thing. Um, but we have got a familiar voice in Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really well. Glad to have you back on uh, for the next couple of weeks at least. Um enjoy speaking to you again how's things been yeah stunning mate every day's a miracle isn't it <laughs> every day, every day is, a... is an unpaid bill <laughs> anybody that is, is a David Byrne fan and if you're not you should be you know. there's um there's a, these are the sort of references that we haven't had for a, you know a couple of months now and there'll there'll be this, there'll be these section of listeners that'll be looking forward to listening to those sort of things so I'm glad those references are back um Jace, how much of the golf did you watch last weekend? Um, I saw quite a bit of the final round over there. Yeah. And I didn't see that much, but I saw little bits here and there um, over in uh, Kenya. Yeah. So I didn't. No, yeah, it does, because I didn't see a lot of Kenya at all. So it's good that we're on the kind of same wavelength of, of what we uh, saw the most. I was obviously tracking Sammy Mabamaki for, for the final mm, round. Great pick. Great pick. Fantastic. Um, it it was it was funny like I, all of a sudden as the week progressed I got more and more confident on him um the Paz Palin thing you know this is what those funny things isn't it Jace we have had these kind of debates over the years about you know do you get too caught up in the weeds with green types and and or sport nights or stuff and that was a perfect example of you need it um because that was fundamentally the reason I picked him was was how well he's played on Paz Palin his two wins for DP World Tour Greg Norman design in in a, in a man um and it and it definitely translated. He actually spoke about America being tough because of all the different grass types and things like that. And goes to show he suddenly has a chance to win and probably should have won, really. Um I mean, Jake Knapp obviously tied it up over the last few holes, but he was he was there for the taking for a good period of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he it was there was a moment around the turn, wasn't it? Was it ten? Um where yeah. Balamaki drove it, cut it, sliced it, whatever he would do it, straight into the water. And Nat took a two wood, I think. Yeah. And he just got a soft bounce. If he'd have got a hard bounce, he'd have been in the water as well. Yeah. Um, and that, that really, although, although to be fair to to Vanamaki, I mean, you were so confident, and like I, I actually couldn't believe it. I, I've never heard you particularly that confident about a player. Um, and he was brilliant. I mean, I, I did not expect him to do what he did, and, and he was, I, I thought he was exceptional. Um, yeah. And I feel, unfortunately, I feel he should have won. I thought he was the best player in the park. I know Nat played really well. Yeah. But, um, but overall consistency and whatever, it was lit. It, you know, and he chased him down on the Sunday. I know he was helped by Nat being all over the place. But I think that shot on 10 was was so key. It was momentum. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, didn't get it done, could he? Yeah, momentum is definitely a real thing. I mean, look, it, he tied the lead and he got on to that point. And then you think if he just goes one ahead at any point during this run, um, he's going to win it. And because he just bogeyed immediately, kind of let Nap off. I think Nap was good around the greens when, when he had the opportunity to be um, and pretty solid. But I think what he kind of built up that ball striking lead, didn't he, through the first three rounds. And that kind of gave him what he needed in the end, that cushion, because he definitely wouldn't have coped with a 
one or two shot lead. Um, and unfortunately, Bellamacchi just didn't put his foot down when he needed to. But he'll learn from that. He'll come back from that. Um, I think any time the grass type is right or the course type is right, I think we should look at Bellamacchi because I think that goes to show that he can do it at different levels. It's just got to be the right kind of course. So I'm um, looking forward to kind of tracking his year. We've seen with Matthew Pavon what, what kind of happens if you can get over there and, you know, pile that in some good results. So interested to see what happens. But uh, in Kenya, we obviously had Darius Van Drill one. Sky was on him in the, on the Mayo show yeah. um, with a with a push. Um, I, I saw, he'd, he'd mentioned two or three weeks ago that Darius Van Drill was on his radar. I think it was like the first start back. And I said, we both said, like, Kenya would be great for him. He wasn't going to go with him. I sort of said, look, you said this two weeks ago. You need to kind of stick. And he did. And um, I didn't listen to my own advice. So. That was good fun, but um, yeah, other than that, it was a it was a you know strong week. Van Royen was in the mix as well, um, so it felt pretty good about the process. But on to this week, Jace, we're on to the SDC Championship uh, in South Africa. Um, what what do you make of this golf course? I seem to remember last year thinking that we were targeting big hitters, and I haven't listened back to check whether that's what we did, but that was my overall idea. And then you look at the stats from last year, and actually. Uh, accuracy kind of dominated. Uh, I'm going with big hitters again because I'm going for the overall. I mean, actually, Baldwin, I think, ranks quite high anyway, um, yeah. obviously, didn't he? Um, I, I'm going to go with big hitters again. And last year, I put in, which we'll discuss, sort of be discussed in a minute. Uh, I can't remember I bet last year. No, I had it written down. Uh, but <laughs> I remember going in late on Tom McKibben. Yeah. Um, but obvious reasons, I'm sure, are more obvious this year. Um, but yeah, when I look back, um, you know, uh, you can look back at the uh, South African PGA that took place here. I'm not interested in the 54 hole events. I mean, it's fine, but they're very low standard. Yeah. Um, there's been three South African PGA uh, championships. Last year might have been a shock with uh, Rupert Kaminsky, but he was actually eighth behind Burmester here in 2021. Um, so there was actually a bit of course form if you wanted to hang your hat on it. Um, and he went into the event in reasonable form. I think he had three top 20s or something going into the form. But yeah, you've got Burmester one in 21, Katsia one in 2022. I think that tells you an awful lot. We know Burmester anyway. We followed him for years on the European tour and the co-sanctioned events. Massive hitter. Uh, possibly should have won in Italy when Cantor was also beaten by, uh, I can't remember. Ross McGowan. Uh, yeah, oh God, McGowan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's an absolute machine off the tee. Um, He's got four co-sanctioned wins. They include Schwani and Joburg. Uh, they've been won by uh, Schwartz and Kutsir as well. They're links gurus. Kutsir obviously has the Portuguese form, which is, you know, virtually unmatched. He's got a win in a thousand places there. And that links him with links. Um, uh, you've got uh, George has also been beaten in Mauritius by Thorborn uh, Ollison, who's a links player. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've got a big thing about them too. Um, you can relate it to the die data as well, which has always been um, a pro-am for big hitters. Um, obviously, it's slightly wider because it's a pro-am. Um, and if you go back to 2016, Kutsia actually beat Burmy by a shot. Um, and then he ran up in 2020. So everything for me points to the fact that, that big hitters will do well here. I'm not saying you can spray it, but it reminds me. I know there's water there. I know there are trees about on various holes, but it's got that. St Andrews links type feel to it for me, whereby you know it's a massive advantage to be able to hit it. Um, there we are. That's uh, that's my that's my bag. Kaminsky was fifteenth for distance last year. Um, 
behind the other two. So, yeah, smash it away. Um, pick it up. Hit the greens. Uh, every winner's been, I think, apart from Kassia, no winner's ranked worse than 14th of the greens. Uh, if you do, you've got to get up and down. But I think enough players are going to hit enough greens to, to matter, to be honest with you. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think I talked myself out of the massive hitters and, and went slightly more accuracy based on the kind of stats from last year. But um, I think overall the idea that bigger links courses allows bigger hitters is, is, is kind of the way to go. So it'd be interesting to see how it pans out on the final leaderboard. Um, Ewan Ferguson is 14 to 1, Jason. Obviously a player that you, you've been on many times, but I don't think 14 to 1 is going to appeal to you at this point. Um, Tom McKibben, you've already referenced at 18 to 1. Xander Lombard at 18 to 1. And then your pick of the week, uh, Thriston Lawrence, is between 18 and 20 to 1, uh, depending on how many places you want. So give us the lowdown on Thriston Lawrence this week. Well, I don't, I'm not saying he, I don't think he's the pick of the week. I just thought I had to have one from the top, given that, that you know, uh, the two we've already mentioned, Burmy and um, and Casillo uh, have one round here. Yeah. So I had to pick one from the top. And I must be honest. Going down to, I mean, you know, going down to people like Henry Duplissy at 20. I like Duplissy, don't be wrong. But, I mean, he's a non-winner and he's 28. You know, kind of Syme struggles to win. Yeah, 30, 33. Um, and I looked at it and I, I did think that, you know, I may be looking at through rose-coloured spectacles. But you've got um, Tristan Lawrence, a four-time winner in within 18 months um, on the European Tour, DP World Tour, whatever you want to know. Um He's got two victories. One's the Joe Berg. It's four victories, sorry. Of, of those, two of them are the Joe Berg Open and uh, the South African Open at um, Blair Atoll, which is like, a, a, okay, it's not eight and a half. It doesn't play eight and a half. Thousand, but it's a massive, massive course. Yeah. Um, Burmy went on to win that the year later. So that's a shit for me. That's a huge, um, huge pointer. Um, he won uh, the BMW International, which has been won over the years by like the Bjorn Ells, Monty, Willie Stenson. Um, How Tung Lee even who, who can play links, uh, yeah, I mean yeah, but that's where he plays, isn't he? he plays guitar, yeah. he plays links-related golf. So um, there was enough there. Um, he was fifth after three rounds of last year's championship. He's second look at his track after looking at it when he wasn't much in 2018. He eventually finished 14th, um, and I just think he might be. I, I, I'm looking at him returning to form because I think had he been actually in form. He'd be 12 to 1 here, and that's the best you could get. Um, so I was quite interested. He ranked top 10 off the tee for um, Raz and. Um, uh, yeah, look it up yourself. Uh, he ranked top 10, sorry, off the tee for the Alpha Dunhill, for the Dubai Interdotational. He's ranked uh, seventh for the Qatar Masters and Kenya. So that hopefully will give him something. And whilst his accuracy has been slightly um, wayward off the tee, I think this might forgive him just that little bit more, to be honest with you. Um, I like him. I think he's brave in front. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Ferguson, but he's let people down uh, when in contention, I think, at France. Um, he had a chance in Kenya. He obviously had a chance in Qatar as well. Uh, he hasn't gone through it. Whereas I think Lawrence has, has put the, the wins on the board. Yeah. Um, to me, he looks like he's he's coming right. He won't mind Glenn Dowd next week either. I think, I think to be honest with you, Anybody you fancy this week, you can shove in next week as well. Yeah, um, they're very, very similar, um, and that's 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 him really. That's uh, yeah. 
Yeah, for that for that group of players from sort of 14 to 18 to one of the top four there, it was definitely Lawrence for me that was the closest. I was then the two players you mentioned, and Henry Duplessis and Connor Stein were the two players I was coming up to next. And for the same reason you outlined there of being non-winners and struggling to get over the line, I didn't go there. Um, and for me, it was actually Adrian Otegi that I landed on. And I just think that, look, he missed the cut here last year, and, and it might be that you know, if the wind dies down and, and distance does really come into play, then he might struggle. But I do generally believe that Otegi, in this kind of field strength, uh, comes to the fore and at 35 to 1, seven places, you've got a player that, um, you know, is just right right in the mix. Most of the time, he kind of tees up in this field strength. I mean, Dubai Invitational 20th, where he's actually better placed for the first three rounds. He was only 56th and divided as a classic, but slightly stronger field. He finished with a... Um, you know, finished poorly at the Qatar Masters, but then came right back and finished fourth in Kenya with a final round 65. That plus the kind of finish to the year, where he was, you know, a couple of decent results to finish. I think Atehi is bubbling under the surface a little bit. Um, good player, you know, someone that can get the job done in South Africa, can get it done um, on similar sort of tests, albeit um, not the longest. I think Atehi, with his accuracy, can certainly cope with the winds um, on the Thursday and maybe just kind of hang on from there. And that that's the kind of idea I've got with that. But he's been second the Alfred Dunhill Championship uh, in South Africa. Obviously, slightly different test, but I like the fact he's played well here in this part of the world. Sixth in the Schwani Open, same uh, same spill on that. So, yeah, everything about kind of Atagi and what he's done in the past. Obviously, we know he's won the Scottish Championship, so he doesn't mind a bit of win. He's won the tough event at the, uh, Valderrama. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with what I'd say he's done so far in his career and, and at this field strength. Yeah, we were very, very strong on him when he won at Valderrama um, a couple of years ago. Uh, and I, I think South African form is, is big. I mean, I, I like Otegi. I think he's up there. He's, he's pretty brave. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the only thing about the Kenya thing is I just noticed how well Spaniards do in Kenya. It's yeah. a massive point for me. I've already noted it down in 365 pages time. <laughs> um, to make sure that I look at Spaniards so closely, um, but yeah, 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 I can't argue with it. He's uh, he's a fantastic player, he's right. Not surely think... his bag, but but I can't argue with. It. You know, if you've got if you've got Ferguson uh, again, I'm not knocking Ferguson on the kipping, but I had shocking prices. Maybe. I think I think that was it for me mainly. It was just like the price, but like if I've got to take one from near at the top. Am I going to go with someone, you know, you get to the end of a week in this field strength and you think, oh, Adrian Sagi's won. It makes a load of sense, even if it wasn't his course. And um, there was certainly a bit of that for me. It was one of those ones where I just couldn't get a real good grasp of, of what I wanted from a player at this course. And when when someone of his quality is 35 to 1 amongst, you know, as we've said, 14, 18 to 1 players we don't necessarily trust, um, I was pretty happy with it. Same comments for Nacho Elvira. And again, again you, you know, you mentioned there that maybe proceeding with a bit of caution that Spaniards do really well in um, in Kenya. And obviously you were on him last week, a very close second place there to Darius Pandrill. I just think with Elvira, again, he's, he's actually producing these results without actually having the best ball striking of his you know career by any means. And you know, 28th at Divide uh, Invitational, 41st at Divide as a classic stronger fields, then gets to a bit of a lower field strength, 16th at the Raz Alkaima, comes and finishes 13th at the Qatar Masters, drop down. Similar again, and then he comes right into the Kenya Open, plays really well all week and finishes second. So he's just been there or thereabouts pretty much throughout 2024. And then I looked at 
last year and, and how he played here and he finished 23rd, which I think was solid enough. Um, had a poor opening round, 74, uh, which, which pretty much cost him any sort of chance to finish any higher than that. So the way he finished um, after a slow start was impromising for me. So it was actually a tough one between Nacho and, and Manuel. And I was very close to um, putting up brothers for the first time on this podcast. Um, the, the only thing I would say is if we think it's going to come down to more of kind of driving distance as opposed to accuracy, then the manual would be your uh, would be your player. But um, yeah, I, I think he was. I'm going to go he, was yeah. Yeah. he he was very very close. So, um, old old manual. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah 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 yeah. There we are. Can't have them all, can you? That's the uh, that's the tough thing with this gig. No, no, no. Well, that, that, that's the point. Obviously, over there in America, um, you know, Sky and Matt, uh, you know, they're betting win onlys, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, um, and it's it's quite interesting to see. And and I, but yeah, like I said to you before, I do wonder whether you should get on Betfair and and do the ten that you fancy, for example, rather than play five each way. I don't know. I'm not into it enough. I've got so, the time, but. There's definitely a case for it, for sure. I mean, I do a lot of mine kind of like, you know, all these horror stories of if you get ahead, you might uh, you might get your account limited. And that's not certainly why I did it. I've kind of just got used from an early age of using the exchange for bigger prices and, and never really deleted from that. And um, sometimes it bites me in the arse and sometimes it benefits. So, um, yeah, it's, there's definitely different ways of playing. It's all going to come down to personal preference. But um, next one for me was Daniel Brown, who is 50 to 1. Uh, you can get that with the seven places. I just wanted a player that I knew played well last year. Um, of course, you could go to you know Matthew Baldwin, who won it, but I don't think he's playing quite well enough. Same with Adrian Alves, finishing second. don't think he's playing well enough. And someone that still isn't playing incredibly well, but I think has got more to offer is Daniel Brown. He was ninth here last year, but he was actually third, not only going into Sunday, but I think going into the final few holes. Um, and then just really blew up. And I think just looking at how he finished 2023, um, I think there's there's hope yet. So you look at uh, the DP World Tour Championship, he was 15th after round one, 13th going into the weekend, and, and then kind of faded away on a Saturday and Sunday, which is no big surprise in that field strength. He then goes to the Joburg Open on his very next start, finishes 17th, but again was 7th going into Sunday, and then finishes his year with a uh, third at the Mauritius Open, finishing with a 65. So really positive end to 2023. And it, you could argue it's been a you know, slow start to the year. Uh, the Dubai invitation, we actually started quite handily with a 70 in round one, was 20th going into the into the Friday and then shot a 79. But it was the character in which he bounced back, 69, 68, that impressed me uh, to kind of right the ship a little bit. Braz Alkheimer, again, same sort of story. Only had a couple of good rounds there, but, but it was okay going into it. And then you look at... Um, the Qatar Masters again started nicely, round of solid round of 70 inside the top 15 going into Friday, and then just hasn't been able to kind of string the results together. And I just think, I don't know if it's South Africa as a place, or I was thinking about this last night, Jason. Maybe you've got some thoughts on it. Is, is it is it people like playing in South Africa, or is it just once the field strength drops down at this time of year, people feel a little bit more comfortable in themselves, you know, not trying to you know throw everything out being in these big Middle Eastern events with, you know, a leading player or trying to chase down a, you know, Rasmus Hoygaard, even at kind of the weakest events. It might just be that they get to, you know, the South African Championship and think, I can beat these players and uh, or South African Opens or whatever and, and feel like they can play better. And looking at Daniel Brown's career so far, I mean, he won the ISPS Hander. 
Um, but then ninth in this, where he should have been third, really. Johnson Workwear uh, Open, he was 12th. It was a Challenge and Sunshine Tour event then, but he then came back and finished 17th in it last year, 17th in the Joburg Open. So he's got a lot of 26th in the Alfred Dunhill. He's played really well in South Africa. Um, and I don't know if it's the grass types, if it's the uh, types of courses, or whether it's just the field strength and him feeling more comfortable. And I think based on his performance last year and, and a lot of that thinking, I, I like Daniel Brown's chances. I think you've got a lot to say there. I mean, we've already discussed the fact that Spaniards play well in Kenya, for example. Yep. There has to be something there. Um, and if we go back in the past, you, you look at even, you can drop down. You look at someone like Toby Tree, you look at someone like Reese Enoch. Um, Toby's not one, but Enoch has. Um, both, I know they've got ties to South Africa these days, but they, they, they've played well every time they've gone. Um, so that there clearly is something in the air that means that, that South African form is worth an awful lot. Yeah. Um, and I do think that, that somebody somebody with that sort of middle-of-the-road form that has form in South Africa going back is potentially worth more than, um, and that apparently is an English word, um, <laughs> potentially um, uh, is worth more than somebody that's in form but hasn't got a lot in South Africa. I think there is something in the air. I don't know what it is, but, you know, because they're not been fortunate enough to go. I'd like to do a safari over there as well, actually, so there's plenty of reasons to go to South Africa. But uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, look, I don't know if it's just, it's just a nice place to go. It could even be that, couldn't it? But whatever it is, there seems, as you said, I think looking at players that have just, you know, there's people that generally just make every cut in South Africa and, it, and don't do yeah. it any other time of the year. And yeah. I think that's really important. So very much like when we think about you know, when you think about America, you're just thinking West Coast versus East Coast and mm. Florida and very specific. Shall we get to that as well? Yeah. We will do indeed. Like this, this is this part of it is, you know, get away from the Middle East and swing, get in South Africa and, and get some results going. So I'm looking forward to that from that respect. A um, couple of picks for you now um, at the kind of, I guess, 66 to one range they were when you put them out. Um, yesterday, I think there is still available on both of them. So I'll let you introduce your next couple of picks. Yeah, firstly, uh, I think we may have missed a trick with Ryan Van Velzen. Yeah. Uh, I've, yeah, I, I've got a feeling we missed a trick. Right, I'm not going to back him. I'm not. Um, but I've got a feeling we might have made, made a big mistake. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Spoiler alert, I'll probably just chuck him in as a first round leader just to try and offset any sort of concerns when he shoots 600 on day one. But um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, anyway, obviously third year on the, South, the SA PGA last year and uh, his, his figures, if we are to believe them, and yeah. there's no reason why we shouldn't, but if we do, are sorts of figures. If he was European coming into this, he yeah. would be 51. No, he'd be top of the bar. Um, and that's that's he he's a big concern and and he may well be a late entry I'm not sure because I I keep getting drawn to him uh, but anyway there we are we 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 haven't backed him and that's the way it is right um yep yeah, uh firstly Brandon Stone yeah um I've gone for for another home player um totally unpredictable as we all know but of course his best form and and uh you know it's your man who let me down Sammy Valimaki in the man uh, when Brandon Stone done everything he could in the wind to beat him, did absolutely nothing wrong. Valimaki just found that part in that you discussed so well at the beginning of this show. Um, but for me, Stone uh, went missing. I mean, let, let's look back at what he has done in the past, if it's worth it. Obviously, I say that that, that runner-up in, in Amman, he's uh, won his home open at Glendower, which is next week's venue. Um, so if he does show anything this week, you know, it may be worth having a look at him then. 
Um, Glendale has seen Rory, Schwartz or Grace run up over the years. Links people. Um, one at Leopard Creek by six, absolutely smashing, smashing his field apart. Um, uh, same way that many of the legends have have done so. Um, he's won at Coastal Gullane when he won the Scottish Open. Absolute shock. Nobody thought he'd win. But he beat Eddie Bepperell again on his day. Fantastic links player. And um, the same course for Ricky Fowler win. So we know what Stone's about. He, he can play very high-level golf and he can play um, on links and he can play in any wind. Um, hasn't been great since. Obviously, he came through the Challenge Tour over the last couple of years. Did go through a really nice spell um, in the Challenge Tour, making cuts, etc., etc. And whilst he hasn't been absolutely magnificent here um, uh, this year, I thought that he has caught the eye a couple of times. Um, he's got tied fourth to Ollison again at Raz, and he uh, posted his second uh, tied sixth at the Die Data at Fankel uh, just a couple of events ago. Again, we've already discussed the die data linking quite well with here. Um, oh, ping, 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 what have we got tomorrow's weather forecast outside? Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Brandon Stone fan, which I'm probably slightly biased, uh, but I do think that um, if he can repeat those sort of high greens in regulation stats, I mean, he was second at Mauritius for greens in reg, third at Raz, fourth at die data. Uh, if he can repeat those, he's a very, very aggressive player. Um, always smiling, always, always appeared to smile whenever I've seen him interviewed. Uh, and I'm taking the chance because I just think there's still something there um, and he can compete with the with the best. And, you know, when you've got, again, I, I'm going back to the earlier price. I'm not knocking anybody like Ferguson, um, McKibben, et cetera, et cetera. But when you have got to piss it 28, when you have got, again, Juice Luton, big fan of him, but he's only 31. Remain long gas, never wins 41. Um I just think to myself, it's just, I mean, Tom Aitken, I was on last week at a huge price. He's been smashed off the ball. Um, I just think he's too big. And um, yeah, I'm hoping it's one of his going weeks because I can definitely see him being placed. Yeah, I can't remember if it was the Mauritius Open where I sort of mentioned, I never actually put him up. It was either Mauritius, I don't think it was Raz. Um, but it was basically based, as you said there, that kind of nice run he went on. Um, on the challenge tour at the end of kind of 2023, where he went, um, you basically <coughs> like five or six, seven or eight, maybe even cuts in a row. Uh, finished with the, the 11th on the you know, uh, grand final, 8th for the Swiss, 16th for the challenge open de Espana, 8th for the big green egg. Like he was just, he was putting in these bigger performances that we expect from him at that level. And then the Mauritius Open, he actually played better than the 40th suggest. He was right up there for a decent period of time. Uh, he was 16th past around one, 13th past around two, and just had a poor Saturday, never really bounced back. And then at the Mauritius, uh, at the sorry, fourth um, after starting second after round one is really impressive. And look, uh, you know, he, he didn't kick on um, in the two starts following that, and then struggled in the second round of the die data, but bounced back really nicely. Again, like I, I love seeing someone starting 67. I don't love seeing it, obviously, but when someone opens with 67, then shoots a 78, but then bounces right back and shoots 65 or 69, it says something about their kind of one, their kind of mental fortitude, I think, to kind of get over to this point of one bad round. And two, you know, the, actually the game is there and, and they are capable of piecing together and something could have just happened. There could have been adverse conditions. There could have been, you know, could have been had a bad taco the night before. You don't know what it could have been. So, um there's anything that can happen to these kind of golfers and their situations. And then looking at that SDC championship last year, yes. uh, he was 10th going into the final round and, and just kind of faded away uh, when it mattered. So 
yeah, all of that to say that I, I quite like the pick of Brandon Stone there. Um, and I like your next one as well. I can't. You, you, Con, you're, you're, you're better at pronouncing your name than I. I, I think it's Ugo. I thought it was Ugo Sassard, but I think it's Cassard. Um, but either Cassard. way, it, it's the French. So one. it might be Cassot. It could be. That would make it even because more sense. you say Le, Le Croix and I say, I Le say Yeah. Let's go. Let's go with. And, and go, to be honest with you, it really so, annoys me every time you say that. And I sit in the car going, "It's fucking Le Croix. He's French." <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I might be wrong. <laughs> I, look, I am definitely wrong on pronunciations. I just hope for the best. And look, someone can see Ugo Kassar on on the betting and they can make it out um, and they can pronounce it however they like. If he wins, his name could be completely different. I mean, Ludwig Obar or Aubert has been changed oh. times, hasn't it? Um, that's been anyway. Ludwig, Ludwig and uh, Aberg, Aber. So whatever. I mean, he's pretty, yeah, he's pretty simple to to sum up. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the uh, course experience, but he does have um, a six at the die data, uh, which for me is, is, as I've said before, is, is pretty relevant. Um, very, very big hitting player. Maybe six cut in a row last week. 34 Braz, 12 in Bahrain, and runner-up in Qatar when he disputed the lead. He could have fallen away. Um, but that Qatar links him into so many places, so many people being all night saying it. Um, 30 years old, so he's not exactly a 22-year-old. Um, took a few years to break his maiden, um, but he did edge out the aforementioned Manuel Elvira and Frederick Lacroix to win in India. So that's eventually turned out to be pretty good form, I think. Um, yeah. But he's raised the bar again. He's got some very, very strong driving. Uh, so he's got the six and the eight-foot fan court at the die data, not just that six. Um, his profile for me looks absolutely right. Um, he speaks very, very well about his game. I know they all do, and I'm not really interested, like you are, about Instagram photos of somebody hitting the ball well. That's the old Butch Harmon. He's playing well on the range, bollocks. <laughs> makes absolutely no difference when you're under pressure and you have to birdie from 15 feet. Makes I don't care what you're doing on the range. Makes, you know, who cares? Um, but he said his golf come together when he won his maiden. I think he looks like he's taking his time, but he's now stepping up. And, and there really is nothing wrong with those last two. That's welcome by Rain sitting in Qatar. And, and I was I was impressed with that. Like I say, I was impressed with the fact that he could have fallen away. He's not a household name. Um, and he didn't. He stuck to it. His figures are absolutely fine all over the place, to be honest with you. Um, I think he'll do slightly better with his irons simply because he's got the room for his tee shot. It's a big ask to win, I think, looking at this the first time. Um but I felt, I can't remember what, pl- what places I took here of them. Six. Uh, I took six places. Yeah, I mean, apart from two or three, I think the rest is open. And I, I just, it, it really, the only person I kick him out for is is Van Vels, and otherwise I'm very, very happy to have him. I was, you know, I was cursing him because we had spoken about him for, or I think we'd been on him at Bahrain, didn't stick with him for, Qatar, and then it looked like he might ruin my Hishino pick in Qatar. Uh, he was brilliant in that final round. Uh, no, no getting away from it. He was, he was very good. He had a couple of breaks, I think, off the tee, which, which helped him. But for the most part, uh, very good, really solid. Three under final round when he was in contention. Hishino shot four under and one. Uh, he made Hishino par that final hole, and, and he, you know, made a real meal of it, Hishino, in the end. Uh, but got the job done and. That was because of the pressure he put on him and talking about kind of like Valamaki and things and not putting the pressure on Nap. Ugo put the pressure on Hoshino to get the job done and he did. But um, 
yeah, I absolutely love the pick. I think he's playing incredibly well. He's he's taken to the DP World Tour like a duck to water. And, he, um, so yeah, I like him. Sorry, Tom. I mean, he reminds me of somebody like Svensson, who's not here this week. Yeah. Um, Jesper Svensson, not the other one that we're going to talk about. Um, yeah. <laughs> he reminds me very much of that type of player. And I think Svensson would have been a lot shorter than 66. And he's got this very similar game. No, I agree with that. I think I think I'm, I'm really impressed with both of them coming off and, and really reading off results straight away. And I think that's a you know a byproduct of, of some of the weaker fields, but also just you know the, the transition being a little bit easier this time around. Um, so yeah, plenty to like. Final pick is a consensus pick for us, uh, David Rovetto at 90 to one. Now this was the one I was looking at straight away when I was considering a driving distance more than anything, but actually he's you know pretty high up there in accuracy this year he's um inside the top 20 that will peter off but looking back to last year he was first after round one eighth after round two tenth after round three and then sort of fell away into 18th but what's really important to mention with Rivetto is what we've been talking about here uh at the start of this show is that players do just kind of find their form in south africa and he's, he's done that two starts ago winning on the challenge tour uh you obviously sort of said you know, it should make the perfect sense. We we should see him drop down at die data and then go and win it based on his profile. He did that. Uh, when you go back to the South African Open, he was fourth after 54 holes and finished 17th. And look, I, I genuinely believe he's only this price because I don't think people think he's going to follow up a win uh, so quickly and, and at a different level. But even Kenya, which I don't think is a great golf course for him, he, he shot second round 68, final round 71 was solid enough. Like, I, I think his game's in really good shape and now comes to a course that absolutely suits his, you know, big hitting uh, off the tee. I think David Roberto makes perfect sense at the SDC Championship. Yep, I think you've pretty much covered it. I mean, he's also got that seventh at the, the Johnson Workwear, um, yeah. which uh, JC Ritchie won, one of the biggest hitters over there in South Africa as well. So, listen, if I've got this wrong, it's not the big hitters. I'm stuffed. <laughs> okay, absolutely fucked. Right, but... Um, everything is pointed. I, I actually agree with you. I think after die data, it would have made perfect sense to miss Kenya. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I understand why he did it. It's on the back on the DP World Tour proper. Um, and, and the fact that he hit 68 in the second round yeah. a week after on a course that can't suit, to be honest with you. Um, but he's got, you know, he, he's got some back form as well. He's got top 25 at the KLM, Barbasol and Blair Atoll, which for me work really, really well here. Um, he led uh, the driving, I think, at the South African Open, didn't he? And, and yep. you're talking about some serious players there, uh, especially home players. Um, 26 for his irons at Dunhill Link, 17th at Blair Atoll. Uh, they're both going to suit here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I thought he was a big price. So in the end, in the end, I've, only, I've taken six places from 90. There was bigger earlier on, um, and I've also had them in each way doubles for greed's sake and no chance. But you know. Hey, <laughs> But you just you just got to look at his his best performances. OWGR first is obviously the die day to win. Second is in Portugal. Uh, but then his third best is the seventh for the Johnson Workwear in South Africa. Fourth best is the ninth for Alfred Dunhill. Fifth is the Barbasol on the PGA Tour. Another you know level again. Tenth again. Thirteenth for the die data. So seventeenth for the South African Open Championship. It's inside the top twelve as is the eighteenth here last year. So basically all of his best stuff has come in South Africa, and he's coming off a win there. So. It was a pretty straightforward uh, formula for me with David Rivetto. One final top 20 pick for you to talk about? Yeah, Ross Fisher. I've been with Ross at 
three-figure prices cut times this year. He's not particularly done it. And obviously, there isn't any improvement there. But uh, I backed him to get his six top 20, top 20 finish in his 10 starts in the country. It's 22. Um, we know what he is. He is linked through and through. Wins at KLM, Irish Open, Schwani, um, even London Club, which is designed by Nicholas. Um, and yeah, he, he, he's had a little bit. He ended 2023 with a pair of top 20s at Joe, but I got Blair Atoll, which again, I'll keep going on about it, but I think he's relevant. Um, and he was 38th in Bahrain and 18th in Qatar after three rounds before fading away on Sunday. Three rounds last year, 16th, 6th and 5th through the first three rounds before eventually finishing 23rd. Um, and he may know too much. I think, you know, when you, it's not bad field, but there is there is some trash down the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, old Ross Toss as a, 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 a somebody, I don't know who you used to call him, uh, <laughs> down quite a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think Fisher can land his top 20 and I think 9-2. to two, there may, I put 9-2 to two up because I've done the article last night, but there may well be bigger. Um, and I just think his figures, his final figures may well be um, disguising disguising uh, better play through three or 54 to 72 holes. So I'll put him up at that price and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's a sensible bet. I mean, you know me, I don't need convincing on Ross Fisher. So I uh, I think that's probably the play is, is someone that Crawley finishes 9th, 12th and 15th most often when I bet on him. Um, suggest the top 20 is the play. Uh, I'm fed up for betting Ross Fisher. So maybe the sensible thing to do is to do what you said and, and back him for something he's very comfortable doing. Um, Let's go over to the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beach Gardens. I think is the, is the spill. Uh, it's the Honda Classic. Rory McIlroy is eight to one. Cameron Young twenty two to one. Russell Henley uh, twenty five to one with Eric Cole, and it's twenty eight to one for Matt Fitzpatrick, Tom Kim, and Benny Ann. Um, any close for you at the top of that market? No, not no. for me. I mean, not for me. I mean, obviously, I looked at it when you told me I was coming on it, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can understand why you'd like Benny Ann. Um, I like Benny Ann. We all love Benny Ann. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's not, it's, he's not for me at the price. And, and you're, if, if you fancy Henry, you go ahead. I've never backed Henry again less than, well, I may never have backed him, actually. And if I have, it'd be at damn sight bigger prices than that. Um, so, yeah, not really interested. I understand why why you fancy Tom Kim and, and, and posting on the same sort of um, – Theory. I look, had a look at Corey Connors. Not interested in him. Um, so yeah, none of them. No, I think I think Tom Kim was relatively not close for me, but just on my mind of like he seemed a bit out of shape with the price compared to the Henleys, goals and Cameron Youngs. Um, and I think the same could be said about Poston, but Poston's obviously terrible. Well, not terrible course form, but lacklustre course yeah, form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just style. I, and I, 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 I agree. I think you need you need to know what you're doing around here, don't you? Yeah. I think I think for me it was him was like we'll really get a gauge of how whether Poston has elevated his game to another level by how he performs at this course um, because everything suggests that he should play well and, and he hasn't so is he now playing almost too well to kind of flop at these golf courses um, really interesting to see how Daniel Berger does uh, whether he's kind of back from that injury or not but uh, wait, willing to wait another week now he's into kind of 40 to 1 so we both start with the same two players. So I will go into the spill about Adam Spenson at 40 to 1, eight places. I thought he was, I mean, he was the first person I wrote down. Uh, most obvious pick for me uh, this week. He was, he was 55 to 1 when I did it on, on Logitech last night. But again, that's all win only and in America. 
But he's been in the mix here multiple times, hasn't he? He's been inside the top four after 36 holes in each of his first two starts. Finished ninth in 2022. And look, he finished 59th in February, but he was, um, you know, fourth after those two rounds. Shot a second round 64. And even last year when he was 49th, he was inside the top 16 after rounds two and three. So clearly there's something about this layout that is absolutely perfect. Um, I love the Sony Open um, on the classic crossover. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mark Wilson, Ernie Els, Russell Handy, Justin Thomas and Chris Kirk have won both. Ryan Palmer's won the Sony Open and finished second here. Scott's won here, finished second at the Sony Open. Sabatini's won here and finished second at the Sony Open. So make of that what you will. But I thought what really strengthened it was looking at the long shot winners here. So Russell Henley's won this at 300 to 1 and he'd won the Sony Open the year before. Michael Thompson won here in 2013 at 300 to 1. He'd finished uh, tied sixth at the Sony the year before. And Keith Mitchell uh, won at 300 to 1 and has since played pretty well at the Sony Open, finishing tied seventh in 2022. Matt Jones, 11th at the Sony Open the same year that he won this event. So a lot of that to say that Adam Svensson, when you add in his tied seventh finish in Hawaii in 2022, really nailed on for me. Tenth last time out, Riviera. Fifth at the RSM Classic to win 2023. He was actually a defending champion. Thought he coped with that really well. 62 in the final round. And yeah, the, the signs have already been there. And he's been 17th or better in strokes game approach in three of his last four starts. Or three of his first four starts, sorry, in 2024. Um, and 15th and 6th in T to green, his last two made cuts. I think this is one of those classic ones, Jason, that we sort of re- referenced at the start of this, that once you get back on the right putting surface in the right part of the, uh, the country... Uh, Adam Svensson should come to the fore as he's been bubbling under and, and threatening to do this. I agree, and I'm glad I was on before Ben put him up as well today. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think if you're going to back him, it's, it's only one way. His three wins on the KFT were all East Coast. Yeah. East Coast, Southeast. So Bahamas, Georgia, and Ohio. As you say, he won the RSM, which is Georgia. Um, it's, it's where he plays his golf. It's where he plays his best golf. And he's in form. It looks, looks one of those that potentially can be too obvious, but because Rory's in the field, you get 50. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, end of last year at the RSM, when defending, you've just mentioned it, uh, he was second in approaches, second to Green. You'd expect him to carry that on round here. And yeah, I've got to be honest, 50 at one was too big. Yeah, the only, the only reason I wouldn't bet him is, is because it looks too obvious. And I'm done with yeah, doing that. But, like I, do you know it, what? Though? When it's too obvious. Sorry, mate. It, it does give that sort of. We mentioned Poston earlier, yeah. but it does give that vibe of like Poston at the John Deere when I thought he, you know, he stood out. I mean, okay, yeah. you, they, you remember them because they're right. But if you, you know, if you listen back or read back to what you've written, it's just there. It, mm. It's just in front of you now. At fifty to one, you're, you're, you're backing fifty times, aren't you, to win one of these over the next fifty years? I would absolutely. So, so um, yeah, I, I can't see where the negative is for Spencer to be honest with you. Yeah, in, into 40 to 1-8 places now, but I'm happy to, to kind of stick to it. Yeah, as so I say, it's, 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 it's absolutely fine. Keith Mitchell, another one, he's into 35 to 1 if you want the 8 places, 40 to 1 if you want to sort of go uh, 5 places, quarter of the odds. But Keith Mitchell is someone I've been expecting to do something all season. I even sort of talked about him potentially having a career best finish at Torrey Pines where he's really struggled, and guess what? He struggled again. Um, and look, he he telegraphs where he's going to play well. It's, it's a simple thing we just said about um, Svensson there. He, he does the same thing. You know where he's going to play well and he does it. And I was 
almost willing to give up on him, but then he ranked second in approach last week, third in tee to green, and now comes to a golf course he's won and finished ninth at. Uh, he's got three top 20 finishes in his last five starts, ninth at the Amex. He's uh, tied sixth in strokes going off the tee and um, tee to green over the past 15 weeks, or inside the top six, should I say. 17th in approach play in that time as well. I don't think there's really much to add, really. I think it's a good golf course for Keith Mitchell. He should uh, be rewarded for his good ball striking, and it's a familiar surrounding, so I'm happy to go with Keith Mitchell, even at the 30th out of 20 years now. Yeah, I've got nothing much to add. He's ranked fourth on the tour tips list for uh, Teach Green um, in the field this week. I, I actually agree. He was he was uh, very, very popular the last couple of weeks. Um, a lot of the Twitter Twitterati were on Keith Mitchell. And of course, you know, he runs in tribute to uh, Keith from the office, who sadly died that was sad, uh, last yes. week. Um, so he's got a lot of responsibility. Yes, absolutely. Maybe not as much responsibility as Robin Williams in uh, in the SDC Championship because the, <laughs> the, the the late the late comedian's uh, name, so with the nickname yeah. Tiger. Um, what what I uh, start to his career, he's had Robin Tiger Williams is is tough. But um, anyway. Without further ado, on to the next couple of picks. We're, we're sort of digressing there, which we're experts at. Um, best player in the world. You don't now. get this shit with Brad, do you? you get, <laughs> no. This is what I'm backing. This, this is why. See you later, geese. That's it. Yeah, we're um, we, we've got <sighs> nine minutes to wrap this up. So um, it's yeah. like a shit interval in in uh, in a West End play, and it when you've got to queue up for that eight pound ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Realize they've only got like freaking strawberry. Hasn't it? Anyway, yeah. we don't we don't charge eight quid for ice cream here, so. Um, <laughs> There we go. Matthew Pavon. Remind him of that drink we were having three years ago. But anyway, go. (laughs) Matthew Pavon, potentially best player in the world at the moment. Um, Still proven otherwise. He's 45 to one with eight places still. And I think that's really generous, actually. I mean, yes, we probably expect this to call off at some point. Um, that's, That's a given. But he won his first title in Madrid back in October. He's had six more top 15 finishes since then, winning, obviously, at Torrey Pines being the uh, highlight. But he was actually third at Pebble Beach a week later. And I generally believe that on 72 holes, Wyndham Clark would have been reeled in. So Pavon was definitely one to potentially prosper there. When he was 15th in the Ned Bank behind uh, Max Homer, he was first after the 36 holes. He led after round one at the DP World Tour Championship. He finished tied seventh at the Sony Open, which I just explained how much I love that. Um, and he was actually better placed after 36 and 54 holes because he was um, fourth going into Sunday. I can't believe the price on him, really. I know that people are just expecting not to last, and that's absolutely fine. But on the face of it, it should be a good golf course for Pavon. It's been a good golf course for Europeans um, over the past you know, 10 years or so, and or even more than that, really, 15 years. And what I found this little nugget. So I had a hunch that Matthew Pavon would potentially base himself out in Florida, um, as a lot of Europeans that have just got their card probably will do, and one that definitely has, as we'll talk about later. So I just typed in Matthew Pavon, Florida, onto Google. This is the extent of my research. Um, and it and it brought up that Matthew Pavon has been playing, or he was playing under the instruction of Ken Martin, who was Sandy Lyle's long-term coach and caddy. Uh, so when he was a young player, he was being coached by this Ken Martin in West Palm Beach in Florida, which is 15 minutes down the road. And he was quoted saying, I loved everything about America, the mentality, the sport, everything you guys do. It feels like I'm an American somehow. Um, Whether any of that rings true, it certainly suggests that's why he's potentially playing well 
on the PGA Tour. It would make sense that he'd come back and feel at home in Florida. Um, so that was a nice nugget to add to a player that I thought was already incredibly obvious. So Matthew Buffon at 45 to 1, eight places. Okay. Next one for me. We talk about bad course form. Tom Hoagie, terrible. Absolutely terrible on the Classic over the years. Uh, no getting away from it. He finished 37th on his debut, but he's missed three cuts since. I just believe he's got to figure it out. He's been great at the Sony Open. He's nearly won that. Um, he ranks first in approach in the field over the past 15 weeks, fourth overall in the season. He's been inside the top eight in approach in the last in four of his last seven starts, inside the top 25 on two of those other occasions. He's absolutely brilliant with his ball striking once again. And when I looked at his stats, he's had like really large strokes lost in like off the tee or approach. And I think he's just obviously just chucking it into the water here over the years. I just wonder if a couple of years break from it, um, good form again coming in, great ball striking, he might just get over that. So I think this might be the chance to get Tom Hogan at these prices because he's always going to be looked at because of those ball striking numbers. You'll see him on tour tips. You see the approach, see the tee screen, you think I'm going to play Tom Hogan. 50 to 1, 8 places, or even 45 to 1, 10 places if you want to knock off five points. Um, I think Tom Hoagie can put in a career best finish at the Cognizant Classic. Um, so I'm happy to go with Tom Hoagie. It was either him or Christian Bazidenhout, basically in this range. Um, and I landed on Hoagie in the end. A couple of few now, Jace. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it is difficult uh, when you get to this. So there's plenty there where they've either not got the course form or. Um... You know, they're in form and they don't like this or whatever. But anyway, I took the chance of there at Van Ruyen yeah. at 66. Obviously, winner at Mexico, very emotional winner. Fantastic form at 63 final round um, last year, in the last year, November. Um, and he's been doing okay ever since. I mean, plenty of rounds in the 60s since. Uh, you know, I mean, finishing 52nd at the Sony, for example, 25th at the Nova Express. They don't look amazing results. But when you look, there's nothing wrong with any of his rounds. Um he obviously went back to Mexico, obviously at Vedanta rather than uh, El Cardinal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, played really well. Opened up with 63 last week. I like the form for Mexico. I'm not saying it's necessarily relevant, but everyone thought it was just going to be quite an easy tournament. And that wind really, really did play a lot of havoc. So I think if you can play in, in that wind, then I think it's going to be a little bit more relevant than it might be normally. Um, that, that's it, really. I'm riding the wave with um, Van Ruyen. Um Thought it was a great performance last week. Eighth greens in regulation, 14th um, off the tee. Uh, sorry, seventh off the tee, 12 tee to green, 14th in approaches, which all leads to eighth in greens and reg. That's perfect around here. I mean, okay, um, he missed Phoenix, but that was on the number anyway. Um, and if you go back to the American Express, he's second for greens and reg. Sony is sixth in greens and reg. So um, I expect him to be able to be tidy enough to, to give himself an awful lot of chances. From there on, it's whatever it is. His course form is actually shite. Three runs to his cuts, one sixtieth. But he has got a tenth at the Valspar uh, from last year, and he has got a thirteenth of the players, which is um, obviously a step up as well. And obviously, it's in this round here and uh, requires a huge tee to green game as well. So, yeah, you've got to, you've got to do what you've got to do with with Van Ruin, but um, I don't think sixty six actually reflects um, the way he's playing currently. And the fact that obviously he's got a monkey off his back, um, he's going to be a lot more relaxed. And I'm, I'm quite happy to, to, I would have thought I'd have priced him at 50. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've got no problem with that at all. Um, there was plenty there around that price. I know, you know, there's 
he was the one. He was the one. At the end of the day, I like I like a, a, a player that played well at Mexico last week. Had it been, you know, a 25 under, uh, no win tournament, then don't worry about it. But I, I think there might be some relevance. So I'll have him go. I really, I, I'm quite high on Eric Van Rooyen at the moment. Um, obviously picked him last week and he didn't quite get, he was in that massive tie for eighth, wasn't he? Which basically meant I got like three P back or whatever. But like he, um, yeah, he's been like, I just thought he made perfect sense with the Mexico link and he was the last one in and, and really confident in the end about him. And I think he's being undervalued a bit. I think, you know, the 66, eight places is definitely, a, you know, a reflection of his course form. Like it was with Tom Hoagie. I think similar sort of things can be said about both of them. And, you're getting more generous odds about Van Roy and he's, he's got two wins to hope he's won. So it depends which way you look at it, doesn't it? Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Robert McIntyre is potentially one of the more overpriced players in the field. Um, 100 to 1, eight places. I don't get it. I don't. People want to back Robert McIntyre off the board. They probably would have bet him at 50 to 1. So... I'm surprised he's actually been put in there at a uh, hundred to one. I know that the PJ tour is a different prospect for Robert McIntyre. I know that he's the player that, you know, least relatives coming over to the States. Uh, you know, he's been pretty open about the fact that he doesn't like the idea of doing it. And his results have reflected that with three missed cuts in his last, in his first four starts of the year. But the two places he's made the cut, the Sony open where he finished uh, 52nd with a round of 66, 69 and 67 to finish off. And then he finished sixth last week in Mexico, as you said, could be some relevance this week. But it was the ball striking. The ball striking was excellent last week. 15th in strokes going approach. Uh, he was fourth in tee to green overall, and he was even, you know, up there again, strokes going off the tee as well. This just feels like a perfect Robert McIntyre test. I mean, you look at the people that that have won here. It's people that have played incredibly well in the Open Championship in the past. The Europeans, Sepp Stracker, second in the Open last year, won here. Uh, Podrick Harrington, two-time Open winner. Roy McIlroy, one-time Open winner. And look, I know that these are different upper echelons of players in terms of Harrington and Roy, but very similar to a Sepp Stracker, I think. And you then look and he gets strengthened further by Adam Scott, um, you know, playing well here and playing so well in Opens. Two-time Open winner, Ernie Els. Ricky Fowler, second and open, it only gets stronger. And the player that I think makes the most sense to compare him to is Sepp Stracker and, and Shane Lowry. And Shane Lowry should have won here in the past already. So you look at what McIntyre's done, two top eights in the open, 12th in the Masters, should have, you know, very unlucky not to win the Scottish Open. It took Rory Brilliance to kind of knock him off there. I don't think there's been any reaction to, to his performance last week. And when you then see a tweet, the last few months haven't been easy, moving across the pond and some poor results. Last week was a massive boost, having the old man out in Florida before to get some good practice. He's basing himself in, in Florida. He's got his dad there helping him. That obviously helps him. Um, and now he's playing a Florida golf course. I think it's an absolute perfect recipe for Robert McIntyre. A really good performance. He just, you know, very lazily looks like a Sepp Stracker, Shane Larry type player to me. And, yeah, I think it's an opportunity now for him to, you know, string together two or three results before it gets tougher again for him with different grass types and things. So, absolutely love Robert McIntyre, 100 to 1, eight places. Okay. Real departure from me, really. Like, since you've been gone, Jason, I've completely gone full 360 on Christian Bazeden out um, and think he's, you know, undervalued most weeks. And this week, I apparently love Robert McIntyre. So, I don't know what's happened. Um 
your final pick is the one for me that I feel like I might be a bit stupid for leaving off, but um, eventually just figured that it would be playing for places as opposed to winning. But give us the spill on Andrew Novak. I don't know, but 175 he was last night. I'm not sure yep. if uh, he still is. But, but well, 158 places is still available, so decent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's just that's far too big on, on what we know. And um, so, so he's obviously born and raised in Carolina. Um, so it's not hard to explain how many strokes that might be worth. Um, his only win is on the Suncoast Classic 2020. That's in Florida. Subsequently won by Benny Ann two years later, um, which we all, you know, Benny Ann's going to be a runner here this week. 2021, he was third at the Emerald Coast Classic. Guess where that is? That's in Florida. <laughs> um, and that was behind uh, Stephen Yeager and David Lipsky. Yeager's playing this week and well fancied as well. He's a great win player. Um so that already points to, to something we need to look at. Uh, 2023, last season, top 10 at uh, Texas, top 10 in Canada. I think he was in second place after the third round. He's got tied 12th in Sony that you've explained earlier on. Um, Korea, he's got two top 10s. I think it's two top 10s in Mexico. Not two top 10s into 15. Can't, I can't remember I'm writing. He's got, no, he's um, got, got a tied eighth in the Mexico Open, obviously, last week. And then he's got... Uh, 15th was, as well. He was 15th, wasn't he? And when he was 15th, he was third halfway and eighth after three rounds. I don't mind Mexico. Again, you've got that windy windy element to it. Um, and as you say, uh, recently, uh, he's got his two top eights. He's got Phoenix and Mexico. He was lying far better in Phoenix uh, after three rounds. But, you know, I could forgive that. And he came again in Mexico last week. Uh, again, played really, really well through the wind. Um, led the scrambling stats after being 19th in greens and regulation which gives me some real hope. Um, you know, so many times we see, uh, obviously, the more greens and red, you've got less chance of scrambling. Um, so I love that stat. I think that just means, you know, those he did miss, he was able to get up and down in no problem at all. Um, approaches, uh, six and eighth over the last two weeks, take the green, second and 13th. Um, and when he was 29th here last year, he was seventh in putting. Uh, when he was 27th at the Valspar, he was 19th in putting. There is a tweet which has uh, the upsides of patting on on Bermuda that's on with, uh, I can't remember who posted it now, my apologies. Um, and it has, uh, uh, so it has Fenton in front. It has Novak uh, quite quite high up there. Um, yeah, 175 was, was far too big for me. Yeah, I think, I think purely on the fact that he's finished eighth back to back, it's too big. Um, you know, in better company in the, in the Phoenix Open in particular second of the halfway and then last week he was up there again but I think like you say it's that Sony Open finish in the past it's the East Coast form he's got especially in Florida on the Corn Ferry Tour and you know the best performance on OWGR just go down it is all East Coast but ultimately Jace just an improving player right like you know in 2023 yeah. he's had two ninths in, in Texas and Canada as you talked about 12th in Sony then finishes eighth twice to kick off this year it feels like he's all of a sudden finding his feet at this level and, and when you see that you kind of got to react i think it's another player that you mark for um when he plays this round round here yeah. you know he's that sort of you know ridiculous player that that should he make the players or something and you get 250 at one yeah. he, he's going to be a top 10 top 20 but just because um i mean i know he didn't play well players last year but he's that type of player where you just look you know that you elevate his state so he might be a 175 player but the fact he's coming to florida um, the fact he's on the right element, he's got the right, um, he's got the right conditions. Probably takes a good few points off of that. He's no, he's no good thing, but 
he, he just stood out as being the. I mean, I remember when Svensson used to go off at ridiculous prices, for yeah. example. Um, and I think you've got to be on them when when conditions are right. And if they fail, it doesn't matter really at the price they are. Um, but you know, they could easily be better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, look, we've I think we've learned over this year in particular that you shouldn't oh, yeah, you yeah, shouldn't be course, too yeah. quick to jump off people, do you? And, and if, if any signs are there, and uh, 151, you're not asking a lot to happen, are you? Um, one player that I just for some reason couldn't. I, I, I'm not going to bet him outright. I don't think um, unless I suddenly have a couple of beers too many at the football tomorrow and back him on the exchanges. But um, for some reason, Aaron Baddeley keeps popping in my head as someone that's. Mm just playing consistently and should play well here. And he hasn't yet, but he doesn't play it very often at all, we've ever. Um, just, just, I just feel like, I mean, he missed the cut here last year. It might be the second start he's ever played here. And he didn't miss it, you know, horrendously. He shot a pair of 71s. But the reason I didn't ultimately get to him is just everything he's done this season has been short game driven, which is not a massive surprise around Bradley. But if he can just find... You know, a couple of decent iron rounds this week. I think Badley, someone that's finished, you know, 37, 28, 24 for his last three starts, probably more a top 20 shout than anything. But yeah, I just thought I'd get get out of my head that Aaron Badley's in there and share it with the with the wider public. But going back to your point of Novak, situational stats on tour tips, player performances by green type, very useful tool. You just it loads up the field for the week. Type in Novak. Um, bent grass average 69.85, Bermuda grass 69.53, and then Poirana and, and Paspalami is over 70. So it's very clear that Bermuda is his uh, preferred surface, mar- uh, marginally over bent grass, and you know the, the form suggests that's the case. So um, really like that. The only other one for me was was potentially Lee Hodges. I thought he was um, finding some form at the the right time, um, but. Again, I'd, I'd had enough picks by this point and, and was happy with what I've got. So I think that's it, Chase. Um, anything else you'd like to add? No, I think I think Matt Wallace was the only one I left out. It was between Van Ruin and Matt Wallace um, for that particular spot. Um, he's a bit sneaky, I think, um, Wallace, and, and he did play well over the week, over the week last week. Um, so yeah, yeah, he was one that I might regret. Um, not being on, but it is Matt Wallace, and again, once again, you're flipping a coin, aren't you, really? Yeah, no, yeah, I can't. I never can feel confident about Matt Wallace, and, and Robert McIntyre is my little uh, little co in that area, so I'm happy to give Bob a chance when the price is right. Um, great little game show there for everyone as well. So <laughs> um, that's it, Jace. I think you know, nice to have you back on the show. Doesn't feel like you skipped a beat as you come on, which is great. Um, got you see, now. when you hit, you hear the. the figures now and people actually <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see i'll let you know about the, the, the decrease in statistics they, they heard it they listened for 10 seconds heard you were on that off, yeah <laughs> exactly that they got rid of me um maybe i'll just let you and brad do it for now on and i'll just kind of facilitate and let you record oh, but um, there we go um thanks when for you're paying give me a shout yeah that's it mate yeah when, when um when i get the the money there I'll, I'll send it your way but um thank you very much for coming on it's nice to, to have a familiar voice to, to fill in for brad uh, during his little uh, recce to India, and I uh, look forward to speaking to you again this week. Yeah, we don't need to sum them up, do we? No. No, that's it. All done. Okay, bye. Just a quick summary of our picks there. Uh, so over in the SDC Championship, I've gone for Adrian Atagi at 35 to one with seven places. Nacho Elvira 50 to one six places. 
Daniel Brown at 50 to 1, seven places, and David Rivetto at 90 to 1, six places. Jason has gone for Thriston Lawrence at 18 to 1 with eight places. Brandon Stone and Ugo Cassard at 66 to 1, six places, and David Rivetto as well at 90 to 1, six places. And then over at the Cognizant Classic, formerly known as the Honda Classic, Keith Mitchell is a play for both of us at 35 to 1, eight places. Adam Svensson is a play for both of us at 40 to 1, eight places. Matthew Pavon at 45 to 1, eight places is a pick for me, as is Tom Hoagie at 50 to 1, eight places, and Robert McIntyre at 100 to 1, eight places. And then Jason's final two picks there to add to Keith Mitchell and Adam Svensson is Eric Van Royen at 66 to 1, eight places, and Andrew Novak at 150 to 1, eight places. So it's a nice crossover there for both of us. I uh, look forward to seeing how we get on this week.